Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the latest Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. I am coming to you live from the, well, not live, I guess, the Paul Brown Stadium press box here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Bill's back in, um, I don't know exactly where Bill lives, but I'm not going to give it away since I don't want you guys stalking him. He's back in Wisconsin, but... We're going to talk to you guys about whatever the hell that was. And by that, I mean the game the Packers just played. Good God. That was an absurd game. That game was drunk off its ass. Five consecutive missed field goals. Um, A nice stat from ESPN Stats and Info Elias Sports Bureau that, that Rob Domofsky sent my way. The first game since the 1970 NFL-AFL merger with five would-be go-ahead field goals um, missed in the fourth quarter in overtime. So the Packers could have lost that. The, the, both teams deserve to lose that game. I did not think the Packers were going to win after Crosby's first miss. Then Evan McPherson misses too. Um, just insane. Let's start with Crosby. Bill, this is a guy who had made 27 in a row. And 70 of 74 since that dreadful day in Detroit, Week 5, 2018. Here comes Week 5 again. Three more misses and a miss extra point. Is it just like, you think it's an anomaly just like it was last time? <laughs> First of all, my game story sucked. Because I like to have a, a story done after the game. I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. But what are you supposed to write? You have no idea if they're going to win, if they're going to lose. Uh, what is what are we doing here, as you might say? What are we, what um, as are for we Crosby, doing here? What, what are we doing here? It was uh, three days shy of three years. No, three days past three years since that day in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just an anomaly. I mean, what a drunk is a perfect way to put it, though, Matt. My God. Even even Rodgers said it. It's like both teams are trying to lose. It was I – you know, I don't know if it was Crosby. I know, I know Rodgers alluded to the fact that it might have been the operation. I'm not sure if Aaron had some intel or if he's just – you know, trying to take the heat off his boy, or, or what? The, what was the story there? But yeah, for I was missed four field goals in three years. I I don't put much into it. But my takeaway, man, is these guys are dang good. Give these guys Bakhtiari and Jenkins, and maybe yeah. Alexander gets back, and maybe Zadarius gets back, and obviously Myers will be back. And these guys are damn good. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals are a good football team. They are. They've got a good defense. They've got some absolute weapons on offense. Joe Burrow's the toughest son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. He went to the hospital with a throat contusion after the game. I don't even know what a throat contusion is. Doesn't sound good, though. Doesn't sound enjoyable, but um, it was crazy. It was Whatever happened in that game, it was crazy. And, and I do agree that 
the Packers being four and one is is really impressive. Like you said, they've overcome injuries to Zedarius Smith, to Elton Jenkins, to Jair Alexander, to Josh Myers, to David Bakhtiari, to Marquez Valdez Scantling, to Dominique Daphne, like all pros, pro bowlers, but then some important role players too. And the fact that they're four and one, you know, the Steelers, the Steelers didn't look good, but the Steelers went and beat the Broncos today, who were three and one pretty handily. The Bengals were three and one. They're a good team. The 49ers, obviously, a good team. Like the Packers, once they get these guys back, and like you said, if some of those guys start healing, NFC favorites, I don't see why not, especially if this is how they're playing when they're all banged up. But um, with Crosby, he said he had to watch the tape. He didn't know exactly what went wrong on his three misses. All three were wide left, some more wide left than others. 36 yards, 51 yards, and 40 yards. Two would have won the game. And what was even more bizarre was Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker from Florida for the Bengals, um, missed the 57-yarder with 21 seconds left in the fourth off the right upright. And then his 49-yarder in overtime, it hit one of those flags that blows on top of the goalposts. That's how close it was. Sometimes those flags blow inside the goalposts. This time it was like an inch outside. And he thought it was good that he jumped into his holder's arms and kept celebrating a couple seconds after the kick passed the goalpost. That's how he thought it was good, or how good he thought it was. Just just an absolutely bizarre game. But I agree with you. I don't think, um, at least for now, there should be any long-term concern uh, for Crosby. But just a bizarre yeah, I want, kick. I want, I want to go to, to the McPherson kick. Yeah. Whenever I watch field goals... I always watch the kicker for the reaction. Right. Like if the, if, if the kicker reacts, I know it's good. I don't I don't wait for the officials. I guess I'm going to learn a lesson here. That I better, I better not watch the kicker anymore because you might be, cause I'd be on Twitter. Packers win. Oh, they didn't. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I always watch the, the goalposts, even though I can never tell if it goes in or not from our angle. But Crosby knew right away his game winner went in. I didn't watch him on any of his misses, but he knew on his game winner that it went in. Jumped into, well, didn't jump into it. it you know, embraced Corey Bajorquez right right after it came off his foot. And it was funny, you know, after he made the walk-off kick against the 49ers a couple weeks ago, he sprinted all around the field, got mobbed by his teammates. Today, he lightly jogged off the field and just shrugged. <laughs> he, yeah. was like, he was like, I don't deserve a lavish celebration. You know, it, I wrote this. It, it more just seemed like a guy relieved to have a tremendous burden off his shoulders um and it was funny i was, I was getting oh go, go ahead. ahead no go ahead I, I, I was getting photos from my story and um i went to to the photo site you know for the 49ers game you mentioned it, it was clear as day that this photo was mason crosby wearing the kick i had to go look at the captions on the photos <laughs> was this a make or a miss because yeah the, the re, there is there's no joy in mason crosby's face after the winner right and you know, a little inside the kick. Before the kick, Aaron Rodgers told us he went to first first year special teams coordinator Maurice Drayton and said, "How do you feel about this?" And Drayton essentially was like, "I feel good. He's going to make it." And Rodgers was like, "All right, let's kick it," because it was fourth and one on the thirty-one yard line, and the Packers could have gone for it. And Matt Lafleur said he definitely considered going for it because of the trust he had potentially lost in Crosby because of his three misses prior, and. Um, LaFleur said after 
Mo Drayton called for the field goal, he went up to Crosby, LaFleur went up to Crosby and basically said, how are you feeling? And, and Crosby said, I'm good, I got this. And LaFleur said if he had, if he had sensed one ounce of hesitation or doubt, he would have gone for it. But he didn't, and their decision paid off. Um, so just an incredible game all around. Not, not a pretty game, but it, it was just an awesome game to cover because of how wild it was. Yeah, awesome for people like you who don't have to write like a at-the-gun story. Right, exactly. It's, I feel bad for the AP guy who's writing nationally for everybody and has, literally has to be done afterward. Poor guy. No, it was crazy. Second thing I want to get into is the best wide receiver in football, and there's no debate over that anymore. Um, it's just a, a statement of fact. Devontae Adams, 11 catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Could have had way more. Aaron Rodgers missed him on a wide-open touchdown. Um, believe it was an 18 it would have been an 18 yard touchdown um just a, an incredible day he, he continues to find ways to get open and make catches even when he's not entirely open knowing that teams are devoting all or near all of their coverage resources within reason to stop him and nobody can stop him he's the best wide receiver in football he beats guys in every which way possible his route running is lethal I, I just I asked Rogers today, when's the last time you've been surprised by something Devontae Adams has done? And he took about 10 seconds to think and was like, it's been a while. He couldn't think of anything. And, you know, if Rogers is he, very thoughtful, if he could think of something, he would have thought of it and he would have said it. But, you know, it, it's become commonplace. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I was listening to, I believe, I forget if it was... I think it was the Monday Night Countdown crew the day after the Packers beat the 49ers. And I think it was Booger McFarland who raised the question or raised the possibility that Devontae Adams is a potential Hall of Famer. What's your take on that? At this rate, yeah. Um, you have to be among the best players, in my, in my opinion. I'm not a Hall of Famer like, like Pete Doherty's, but to me, you got to be among the best players of your era. I mean, and there's no doubt that he is. I mean, he was an all-pro last year. He's going to be all-pro this year. Um, he's led the league. And, I mean, my God, he had 20 touchdowns last year. That was, like, the third most ever, including in, in playoffs. In 15 and a half games. Yeah, including playoffs. Um, yeah, you, you, have to, you have to be a dominant player over a sustained period of time. And he's this is, what, year four in a row, I believe? Go back to 18. This is year four in a row of him being a dominant player. Like the dominant player that, so yeah, I mean, you talk about being unstoppable. That that deep pass that he caught, I mean, he like rope doped Awuje and Jesse Bates. That's their best corner and their best safety. They got their two best defensive backs on him, <laughs> and he just runs right past him for fifty nine yards. You know, it, I mean, it was a silly rob. He didn't do anything besides just kind of fool him. Well, it, I look closer at it, and he did kind of a stutter step before he took off. Yeah, and that kind of fooled them and people who Devontae Adams isn't the fastest guy on the field sure he's got 4-4 speed but he he uses his footwork and his misdirection and I know we say it a lot but his basketball skills the stutter step the crossover to just find space when there isn't any you know the fade is such a ridiculous play in football it's such a 50-50 play maybe less in favor of the defensive back the Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams fade is probably like I have eighty percent confidence that it will work. Yeah, perfect placement and, and the guy can jump. 
You asked the question. I'll go, what do you think? Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, you said greatest receiver, one of the best receivers of his era. I don't know the exact numbers, but, you know, if you look at touchdown catches over the last five, six seasons, he's by far, and he's in a clear first yes. place. And, you know, I know he hasn't had as many 1,000-yard seasons, but he's 28 years old, 29 years old. Yeah, 28 going on 29, I believe, yeah. Yeah, he's 28, turns 29 on December 24th. If he has another, you know, three, four seasons like the one he had last year, that's four or five seasons as the best wide receiver in football. That's Hall of Fame stuff. So I think at this pace, he is on his way. Aaron Rodgers has said, Aaron Rodgers said late last year that it was time to start talking about Devontae Adams in the Hall of Fame and said the same thing about David Bakhtiari. And, you know, he said it's time to start putting Adams in the discussion for greatest player he's ever played with. And Charles Woodson currently hold that, holds that title, and Woodson is obviously in the Hall of Fame. So an interesting discussion, but uh, another, you know, inkling of proof that Devontae Adams is, is just a beast. And it's a, it's a joy to watch him play. It's cool to watch him play and be covering that. I wanted to touch on a guy who maybe doesn't get as much pub. I I wrote a story about him this week, but and we've talked about him on this show. Devondre Campbell. And Rodgers was asked about Campbell after the game today, after he had that interception of Joe Burrow, a couple more nice open field tackles, just really solid in all facets. And Rodgers said he was talking with a teammate on the sideline, and here's the quote from him. He said, how in the hell was he on the street? It was a great pickup by our personnel folks. That's a guy we're really lucky to have. Aaron Rodgers complimenting the the personnel team. That's how you know it was a good signing. <laughs> he didn't mention the GM's name, though. No, but... For our, my, I know. My I point guess. stands. Yes, I know. I, I was I was trolling, as they say, <laughs> on that one. Um, you know, we, we have talked about it. He's, he's the guy they've been looking for the last several years, and they failed and failed and failed and failed, and, and, they, and they finally got... A three-down linebacker. Um, they, 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 they've tried all these free agents, and, they, and they've never had two-down linebackers who are worth a damn. This guy's a three-down linebacker. I mean, look, Joe Burrow threw the ball right at him. But he's played really good coverage all year. He's so big that when he hits guys, you know, Blake Martinez would have all those tackles, but the guy would always fall forward for another yard or two every time. Um, he generally stops guys in their tracks. Um, he's the leader of the defense. He's a hell of a football player. He's, he's making himself a boatload of money. Yeah, he really is. You know, for the second straight game, I thought the Packers, kind of shifting gears here, I thought the Packers left left points on the board. You know, they didn't score touchdowns on drives that featured that 59-yard completion from Rodgers to Adams and a 57-yard touchdown run to Jones. Their red zone offense and their red zone defense has not been good. They've allowed Stinks. touchdowns. On, opponents have been in the red zone 13 different times this season. They have scored touchdowns all 13 times. And their red zone offense, the gold zone, which was the best in the league last year, is abysmal this year. It's not good compared to what it was last year. And, you know, both of those need to get fixed. But to your point, the Packers are not playing, you know, picturesque football right now. Not only the injuries, but they're leaving a lot out there. And for them to win two games against grinded out NFC North opponents is impressive. They were, I believe, I wrote about it this morning. They were, I believe, 
21st in red zone offense this year after being, I think the NFL's had red zone stats since 1999, and Green Bay last year was the best ever at 80% touchdowns. Um, they were hovering at 60% heading into the day. They're, they're obviously less than that now, and Green Bay and Carolina were the only team to be perfectly imperfect on in red zone defense. Um, that was the lead of my story well, at one point today, Matt. How the red zone, how they're, they're, they lost in the red zone. They've got to get that fixed. And then Carolina. You know, I ask, ask Clements about it, or I hack it about it Friday or Thursday, but they got to get that fixed, both phases. Carolina stopped the Eagles in the red zone today, so Packers are the only one. Number one. Number one in something. Um, number one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You want to get to some questions? Sure. We got a I bet bunch. The people have lots, I bet the people have a lot to say on this one. Let me pull some up. I got a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. First one, Packers just seem more consistent when Patrick isn't on the field. True or false? You know, no false starts again today. The Packers have won all season. That's best tied for best in the league, I believe. I believe Aaron Rodgers took two sacks today, if I'm not mistaken. There were a couple in there. Here, let me let me see real quick. Do, 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 do. Two, is, two is correct. Two, both from Trey Hendrickson. I, I thought the offensive line did well today. Rodgers seemed to think the same given, or or I believe it was LaFleur who was asked it, given they're down, at least in terms of who would have started for them week one if everyone was healthy, their left tackle, their left guard, their center. And then you have a rookie at right guard and, and Billy Turner at right tackle. You know, I thought the offensive line played well. I thought they were going to start Elton Jenkins if Jenkins was healthy enough to play at center. But Patrick was there, and aside from that one errant snap, I thought the line played well today. Yeah, um, Newman got beat a couple times early by Cam Sample. Um, you know, when LaFleur left, Nyman one-on-one against Hendrickson, and that, that didn't always go so well. Um, but 
man, I mean, in the running game wise, Kevin's to Betsy, they 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 average six yards a carry. Obviously, Jones, fifty-seven yarder, skews that somewhat, but they, they ran the ball well. They generally had time to throw it. Man, these guys, they're gonna be something when they get their guys back. But who's you? You can't knock Nyman. John Runyon's gonna be the left guard of the future, I would think, right? Man, don't you have to figure if you want to fast forward a year that they move Jenkins to right tackle and. Run your left guard. Correct. They they found some guys. Um, sometimes, and I think Lafleur mentioned this today. Sometimes injuries pay off, and in getting you some depth. So I, they're going to be good in the long run. And these guys, what well, you can't you can't ask for much more than they gave you today. No, here's a good one. Oh, and I'm sorry that that question came from the real MJR22. This one from Doctor Stevens PCL. Am I the only one getting really tired of Lafleur's lack of aggressive play calling in crunch time? Maybe the conservative run-heavy play calling down the stretch is why they're always in close games. You know, that's a good point. When they're looking to, you know, on the couple plays after Aaron Jones' long run, they ran it, then they passed it, nobody was open, Rodgers threw it away, then he missed Adams on the wide-open touchdown. So I wouldn't necessarily say that was conservative, but when after Devondre Campbell's interception, the two runs and they lost yards— and then they kicked it on third down because they had so little faith that another run would gain yards that they said, you know what, let's not risk losing anymore. Mason Crosby still missed it. The Rodgers to Adams connection was unstoppable. I don't know why you use some misdirection, roll Rodgers out into space, don't leave him in the pocket to get sacked, you know, let him get out of the pocket, and if there's nothing there, throw it away. But I trust the Packers passing game way more than the running game, and I understand that you risk an incompletion getting or stopping the clock. But I think there's a higher probability of there being a completion in more yardage. I would like to see, if I'm a Packer fan, um, them be a little bit more or be a little less conservative with the play calling in those uh, crunch time situations. Rodgers kind of slyly hinted that, you know, maybe they – he wanted a chance at that third and 20, third and 17, whatever it was, before Crosby's 40-yard field goal that he missed in overtime. But they didn't get it, and fortunately for them, it didn't come back to bite. Yeah, even LaFleur mentioned today that some of that's on him. I, w- I would say that you probably need to be a little conservative considering who's blocking, and I realize we just pra- praised Nyman and those guys. But I think you have to have some level of um, not all gas and some break. <laughs> to, to borrow one of LaFleur's phrases, just because, like, you know, if you take a sack, you're turning a 40-yard field goal into 48, you know? So I think there's something to be said for that. Um, we'll see, you know, when Bakhtiari gets back and those guys get back, if the aggressiveness ratchets up some because LaFleur has faith that the, he can protect with five and send five guys out and route instead of protecting with five, maybe spending someone chipping, keeping someone in the block, and maybe you're only getting three guys in on a route, so... Um, I'm not sure some of that just might be the circumstances of their O-line situation. Right, exactly. From E. Doobies, you could say Randall Cobb was the difference the last two games. Was GM Rogers right? You know, Randall Cobb only had two catches for 30 yards, but that big catch on, was it third and 17 for 16? 16, yeah, third and 16, yeah. Third and 16, the 15-yard catch somehow hung on to that. It was an incredible catch to set up the game-winning field goal. That's a big play, and that's the thing with the Packers. Like, their stars are going to be their stars. You know, Aaron Jones is going to have the big run. 
Devontae Adams is going to go off, but Rodgers mentioned it today. You get a couple catches with decent yards after catch from A.J. Dillon. You get that big play from Randall Cobb. You get a a play with uh, really nice yards after catch from 37-year-old Mercedes Lewis. Like, those are the type of contributions this offense needs. Forget the, oh, we need more wide receiver depth. Devontae can't go for 200 every game. Why not? Like, people <laughs> people are like, where's Alan Lazard? If Alan Lazard makes one catch every game for 13 yards and lays a couple key blocks that spring explosive plays, that's perfectly fine. And, and Cobb's the same way. He might have minimal contributions on a weekly basis. He's not going to have... 669 and two touchdowns every every week like he did against the Steelers. But days like today where he makes one extremely important play, that's all they need. Yeah, Cobb was really good on, you know, it's it's a little stuff too. And you mentioned Lazard. Lazard does all that little stuff. On Aaron Jones' big run, obviously Jones breaks two tackles right off the bat there, but there's Randall Cobb blocking one of their DBs, probably 15, 20 yards downfield. It's it's all the little things. And um during the telecast today, Rogers said he didn't. According to the broadcasters, Rogers said he, he didn't have he doesn't have time to teach a slot receiver how to play, and that's why he wanted Cobb back. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think GM Rogers is right on this one, um, and like you said, Matt, he doesn't need to have. Gosh, what did he have? Five catches last week. Doesn't need that. He had two today. That's that's good enough as long as they're clutch like they were today. I agree. All right, from Cecilia J. Bugface, loyal listener. Does the offense seem less creative this year, especially in the red zone? Is that because of all the changes on the O-line? Lastly, what the hell happened today? I blacked <laughs> out a couple times. You know, it's possible it's because of the O-line. I I think, you know, running A.J. Dillon up the gut a couple times, and that stuff's too predictable. Get, get Rodgers out of the pocket. Give us some misdirection. The Packers, at least at the start, used a lot of pre-snap motion. Um it seemed like they kind of went away from that after a slow start, but I do think it needs to be a little bit more creative. I wonder if that'll change. You know, in week, what, in week eight? A couple weeks now, it'll be Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Newman, and Turner. We'll see if it changes right. then. Yeah, I think that's well said. It's interesting that Adams, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but Adams must have had like 14, I want to say 14 red zone touchdowns last year. Antonio probably had nine or ten. Um, so far, I think Adams has two, including the one today, and Tony doesn't have any. So um, they've got to figure out how to get those guys going, and if teams are going to gang up on Adams, they got to figure out some other way to get the ball in the end zone. And that goes back to our earlier red zone conversation. But somehow, if they're going to take away Adams, they got to figure out the counterpoint to that, because what they're doing right now is not working at all. Correct. I agree. Next one up. From Kevin Cushing, Robert Tunyon has eight receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown through five games. LaFleur had raved about them this offseason. What happened? Going back to what I said earlier, you know, last season, regression to the mean was most likely going to happen this season. Um, He doesn't have to look for Tunyon when he can just look for Devontae Adams on every play. But if Tunyon makes one or two big catches a game, or productive catches, I should say, and lays a couple good blocks. Also, a lot of what he's being asked to do now, he's being asked, at least it seems on the surface, I would assume since that's been the case the last couple games, I haven't watched the game back today, obviously, um, is help out chipping with the offensive line. I mean, 
Matt LaFleur has said multiple times, you know, yeah, Yash is playing great, but we're giving him some help, and you need to. Billy Turner, too. Like, against these teams with good edge rushers today with Trey Hendrickson, you know, the Steelers with TJ Watt, the Niners with Nick Bosa, Robert Tunyon is more useful chip blocking and giving Aaron Rodgers more time than he is running up the seam. Um, that's all true. I would say I'm, I am surprised, though. I mean, you, we saw those training camp practices. The guy was unstoppable. Right. And it just hasn't shown up. I don't know if his defenses have picked up on something from last year and took some of that stuff away or or if it's just Rodgers being a bit reliant on Adams or, or what the deal is. But I, I agree. I am surprised with how little he's contributed. Um, he's got more incomplete passes already this year than they did all of last year. Seven last year, eight this year. That's pretty amazing. It's crazy. Let's do a couple more. Hmm, I'm scrolling through. There's a lot here of LaFleur's offense. Here's one from someone called Go Away. I, I, yeah, it's funny. I'm trying not to sound like one of those fans, but no matter who is on the field for the Packers, when they have a chance to come up with a stop or get a first time to end a game, it seems like to always it seems it's always an adventure. Why is this the case for such a good team? It's always an adventure. But I Bingo. will I will say that you know the defense. What about Devondre Campbell picking off Joe Burrow? What about them holding the Bengals to a couple field goals? I mean, yeah, the defense can't give up that play at the end of the half, the seventy yard touchdown to Jamar Chase, but. I thought the defense played really well today. They've allowed 17 points and 22 points to two teams with, yes, Ben Roethlisberger, but the Steelers put up, let's see, 27 today against the Denver Broncos, who have a really good defense. Packers held them to 17. Yeah, Chase Claypool did come back, but you got the point. And today, an explosive offense with Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, who's a stud, by the way. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama held them to 22 points in a, in an extra with an extra quarter. So they're coming up with big stops. The offense, I would say, the offense more so woke up with their piss ice cold today. Um, <laughs> defense extend hashtag extend Joe Barry. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I will say that on the. Touchdown, the one where Shamar Jean Charles looked, looked like a fool. Um, they, they, the touchdown made it 22 to 20. On that play, Joe Mixon ran around Ladarius Hamilton and then juked Shamar Jean Charles. Now, those two guys should not be playing, but right. they were. And then the two point play came against Isaac Yadam. Yeah, that, that, um, that should be Zadarius Smith. Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander, not Isaac right. Yadam, Shamar Jean Charles, and Ladarius Hamilton. Right. They were on the field for a very, very, very important sequence of two plays. <laughs> That's what they're down with, people. Um, I'm not I don't want to be one of those people who is just making excuses because of injuries. I mean, I get next man up, but next man up is the next man up for a reason, right? He's not a starter. I don't think Jean Charles has played a meaningful snap all year. And there he was. At the goal line, getting his jock juked off by by an injured ankle running back. Um, but no, I mean, you want to know why they're having a problem getting off the field? Their best pass rusher is gone. Right. Their top corner, at least, has been gone for the last five quarters. Um, say what you want about Kevin King; he missed the previous two games. This is a 
a mishmash of a unit. Doesn't help anything. No doubt. But to Richard said, Matt, um, they won the game today. The defense won the game for them today. They did. I know it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but when they need to get a stop, they did. Yep. All right, one more. Let's get one more in there. What do you got? Well, let's see what I have. Actually, I have some here favorited. <laughs> this is actually a funny one from Kevin Stolzberg. What is the over-under on the number of opponents trips into the red zone before the Packers defense gets a stop? I'll go they get a stop on the 15th. I say the Bears score one more, and then they stop them. I will take the I will I will take the under and say they get a stop right away. All right, it, it just it has to at some point the, the the numbers have to work in your favor, right? Well, yeah, and it's the Bears' offense. Maybe, maybe, maybe. the Bears win today. They were at one point. I have they no did. Idea. Yes, they're three and two, first place in the NFC North on the line. Next week at Soldier Field, are you going to that game? I will be going to that game. Yeah, let's go. I'm flying to Chicago because I'm a lazy sack of shit. I have no idea how we're going to do the podcast. So there is no place quiet. None. I piss off people that. Not in people, Chicago. Peep, people will be mad. That's fine. They can take a hike. That's right. Well, that game was crazy. We love talking to you guys, as always. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was good Sunday night, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whenever you listen to it, listening. Um, for Bill, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you next week.